Hey, where are you going, Jim? The elevator's over here. Taking the stairs. But our meeting's up on 8. Yeah, I know. But that's eight floors up. That's like eight times eight. I don't A lot of stairs. That's the point. I've already lost a few pounds and earned almost $100 in wellness incentives. Whoa, you're getting rewarded for working out? Yeah, I know. I'm just as surprised as you are, Bob. Fearless is full of surprises. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits and sign up at fepblue.org slash choose blue by December 11th. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Peterson, oh, he's got that and more. Adrian Peterson, goodbye. It is Locked On Vikings. It is the Locked On Podcast Network. It's a snowy Wednesday morning in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul. My name's Sam Ekstrom. My co-host is Sage Rosenfels. And just after I concluded yesterday's show, the news broke. The Vikings not picking up the 2017 option for Adrian Peterson. Now, I'm not sure this is really breaking news, Sage. People are treating it as such, but I think this was always going to happen. The Vikings were never going to pay Adrian Peterson the $18 million dollars. So I guess it's just that the wheels are now turning. It's that the free agency for Adrian is now approaching. And for the first time, he's in a position to be courted by other NFL teams. This is new. This is strange to see Adrian suddenly with all his options on the table. And we've known it was going to happen. But to see the move get made, I guess, is just a little shocking for many Vikings fans. Well, I think we as fans sort of wondered if they were going to uh, not necessarily uh, pick up that option, but you know, maybe maybe, re- maybe renegotiate uh, a new contract that made more sense and maybe had incentives or something like that. Uh, instead, it looks like he's just going to be a straight-up free agent, which is going to give him a chance to go out uh, and test the waters, and and but also gives the I think the Vikings a chance to you know, allow him to go test the wires and possibly come back home. So I think there's still hope there that the Vikings can re-sign him, but uh, it ha- it's going to have to be for the right number. Uh, I think with all these teams, it's going to have to be for the right number. Um, you know, the Vikings have a lot of issues. Their running game was so bad last year. It would be great to have um, a great running game again, but uh, you know, Adrian may not be a, a part of that. He, he may, you know, maybe he's part of the problem at, at this day and age, at the end of his career. I know this, you know, $17, $18 million, whatever he was going to be paid this year, there was just absolutely no way that was going to happen. And so the Vikings decided to make the move. That, uh, you know, it's not a surprise that everyone thought that they were going to move in, which is not pick up that option. Here are the statements from both sides from the Minnesota Vikings. Quote, Adrian is an important part of the Minnesota Vikings organization. We will continue to have conversations with his representatives and leave our future options open while determining what is best for both parties moving forward. Now the statement from Adrian to ESPN's Josina Anderson. It's been a great 10 years with the Minnesota Vikings. They know what I bring to the organization as a player with my work ethic and dedication. I spoke with Rick Spielman this past weekend. The door is still open to find some common ground. I understand addressing the offensive line is one of their main priorities this offseason. In the meantime, I will explore my other options and see what path God leads me on. My main goal remains the same, to win a Super Bowl championship with a great team, which I also believe we have in Minnesota. So both sides, 
uh, seem to be pretty civil at this point. You know, that they're definitely amicable in their separation, if indeed that is what's happening. And I guess the question is, are the Vikings paying lip service to Adrian Peterson? Are they basically feigning interest for the benefit of their legacy, of the optics? Are they actually going to get in a bidding war with a team that might want to overpay Adrian Peterson? I would say probably not. No, they're, they're, I, I think that they, for, for the right price, sort of on the Vikings' terms, will they sign him back? If they don't feel comfortable with those terms, they'll let Adrian Peterson walk. I, I think both sides, with their statement, sort of shows that uh, they both would like to have a you know m- much past Adrian's career. They would like to have a relationship uh, that is positive. Um, you know, Adrian is one of the all-time great Vikings. Uh, he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, he is the best running back in, in Vikings history. So, you know, whether he leaves after this year uh, or, or whether he leaves the next, you know, couple of weeks, really, and never comes back to the Vikings, he'll always be in a sense of Viking for life. Uh, you know, with all of the uh, Hall of Fame ceremonies, induction ceremonies, uh, all the events they they hold during games of the honor former players. They'd like to have, uh, you know, one of the great running backs in NFL history uh, to have a positive relationship with him, uh, you know, really for the rest of his life, for the rest of this Vikings organization's, you know, future. So it's always good to to get along with players, you know, as they leave and after they leave, uh, because you're you're sort of tied forever. It's 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 positive for the Vikings if they've got a good relationship with Adrian Pearson. I think it's good for Adrian Pearson if he has a good, you know, lifelong relationship with the Minnesota Vikings. And let's look back at history. The end of Randy Moss was not a great split in Minnesota, but he's probably the most revered receiver in Minnesota Vikings history. That last year with Brett Favre was not good for anybody, but everybody loves Brett Favre here in Minnesota. So even if the end seems sticky, I think the legacy can can survive longer than that, especially when you have 10 good years with an organization. Looking back, Sage, and we don't have to go full postmortem on Peterson's career quite yet, but I mean, what's one moment from his 10 years in Minnesota that, that stands out to you? There are so many to choose from. There's so many long runs and explosive plays. What pops into your mind first? You know, probably that that game versus the San Diego Chargers as actually Norv Turner was on the sidelines of San Diego as the head coach and, and agent running for, you, you might have the number, what, 290 yards? yep. I think that game um, where he just was unstoppable, uh, you know, the runs where he was, where he'd break through uh, and run a couple guys over and then he had that speed to, to outrun everybody else. It's just so rare to have a running back with as much power, uh, that he has, which is much strength as he has, but also to be a breakaway guy. Those guys don't come along very often. Usually the breakaway guys are a little bit smaller and have to have that speed, uh, but they don't have the ability to, to shed tackles, to break tackles, to run people over. Uh, he was almost a, a fullback in some ways that, that he ran, but he had that breakaway speed. So uh, I, I think that's what I, what I remember about him. I, you know, My locker was, I, I believe, two or three spots down from Adrian Peterson's, and uh, so I was lucky enough to develop a, a good relationship with him. I just saw him at the Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl party, and, and we talked for a while, and, and uh, he's just a freak of nature. I think that's the one thing that I always take away from him, and people always say, you know, well, a guy like Adrian Peterson or LeBron James, you know, they're one in a million, and I always say, well, they're, I think they're more like one in a billion. I think there's, you know, maybe there's seven people on the planet who have the uh, DNA 
the athletic DNA uh, of somebody like Adrian Peterson. I think back to that 2012 run he had and really about a 12-game stretch in the final three quarters of that season where Peterson was running like no human has ever run before in the NFL. It was You could count on about a 75-yard run every game. He was regularly running for over 200 yards. I, obviously, he came within nine yards of setting the single-season rushing record, finishing with 2,097 but uh, that was one rare case where you've got a running back who is literally willing a team to victory. And so often a running back is complimentary. You know, if, it, if the team is bad, a running back cannot make a team good. But in that case, the Vikings were really not that good of a team. Christian Ponder was not playing well at quarterback. The defense was bottom third in the league, if not worse. And Adrian was carrying them to improbable win after improbable win. And they make the playoffs that year almost exclusively because of Adrian. And and that, I think, was a transcendent performance that is going to be really tough to forget. And I remember him being carried off the field by Jamarcus Sanford after his final long run that basically clinched a playoff spot. Almost 2,100 yards that year. And looking back 50 years from now, I think people will still be talking about the 2012 Adrian Peterson season. That'll be up there in NFL lore forever. Yeah, I, I think so. I think that was that was the the really the one year where everyone really looks back and go, wow, that guy was was just unbelievable. And, I, and it actually helped. You know, you brought up Christian Ponder. If the Vikings had a, a Pro Bowl quarterback, Adrian would not have run for over two thousand yards that year. Uh, the fact that the quarterback situation was uh, so poor in two thousand twelve, and and you know, I was a part of that in a sense. I was there during training camp and didn't make the team, so. Uh, it was so poor in 2012 that they just had to run the football. I mean, it was run it on first down, on second down, and uh, and try to get a first down, third down if Adrian get, didn't get us a first down. So uh, the offensive line was still very strong back then. You had guys uh, that they the Vikings had drafted that were still in the, either the prime of their careers or but they were young and up and comers and 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 those guys got old you know very quickly. You know, guys like John Sullivan and Phil Lodeholt. So. Uh, yeah, that that was a phenomenal year, and uh, but it was helped by the fact that the Vikings did not have a very good quarterback on the roster. So in Vegas, you can actually wager on where Adrian Peterson's going to land, and the favorite is actually the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at about three to one. Then you've got the Vikings, Chiefs, and Giants at five to one. Obviously, Adrian's been flirting with the Giants a little bit on Twitter, and the Chiefs just released Jamal Charles, so they're up there on the list. And you've also got the Panthers and Patriots at 8-1. to one. The Raiders are in the mix. Packers at 10-1 to one with a little reverse Favre situation. That would be very it, interesting. It would be interesting. I wonder if a team would be satisfied if they're a pass-first organization like the Packers are, and Adrian can't pass block, would that work? That's kind of the question I have with Green Bay. Well, Adrian can pass block. There's, there's sometimes he has challenges of knowing who to pass block against, but once he knows who he's got, who he has, uh, he's a pretty good blocker, actually. So I think the, the reason the Packers doesn't make sense, and we talked about this multiple times last year, uh, is that you know they have you know they have Eddie Lacy and and James Starks who are just true real running backs, not really you know pass catching running backs, but running running backs. 
and the Packers' offense wasn't very good for the first half of the year. Those guys get hurt. Uh, Ty Montgomery come, comes in, who's more of a receiving threat and a good running back, and their offense was completely changed. And, and I think the Packers may have learned something there that they need to have running backs that are also threats out of the backfield uh, as, as a wide receiver, uh, similar to what New England's got there with, with James White. You know, he's not just a running back. He's a guy who can, who can beat you in the passing game as well. So I think with a great quarterback, something like Tom Brady or, or, or Aaron Rodgers, uh, Adrian may not fit into that type of offense because they like, you know, those, those teams like to throw their running backs the ball. Well, if Adrian does wind up in Wisconsin, I think that would be a sign that maybe the split wasn't quite as uh, merry and cheerful as we'd like to think. We'll see what happens. Uh, obviously, you can't blame him if he wants to go to a team that is going to be a Super Bowl contender and play with a great quarterback. He'll become an official free agent on March 9. So for the next eight days or so, he'll have the chance to be courted officially, unofficially by the rest of the NFL. And we'll see where this thing lands. Meanwhile, the Vikings have some decisions of their own to make on whether they want to go after free agent running backs or wait until the draft. There was already a rumor about Latavius Murray being on the Vikings radar, but I'm not really going to believe too much until uh, we hit free agency here because there's just so many rumors out there. And you don't know if it's agents leaking it, whether it's a team leaking it. It's tough to know what's true. There's a lot of smoke screens this time of year, really. Well, it's a really, to be honest with you, it's really amazing that, uh, you know, there's not really supposed to be any contact right now uh, between players who are about to become free agents and, and prospective teams. It's really, uh, by the rules are, the, the, the only the players that are, the, the players can only talk to the teams they're still under contract with until March 9th, but we all know that's just not the case. These agents are, are already talking contract, they're already lining up visits, uh, you know, when, when the clock strikes midnight many times uh, they, uh, a huge complicated contract is is signed almost immediately it's just uh, just amazing how they agreed to those terms and and you know in, in 10 minutes basically so um it's a weird time in the nfl how how they sort of just allow that to happen everyone sort of does it uh, everyone uh, is is negotiating before free agency is is, is tr- has truly started but you know, i think that's the way it goes it doesn't seem to be a major issue for anybody uh, involved uh, you know, with that. So uh, we'll see what happens with Adrian Peterson. You know, that, that first team on the on the list, the Bucks, I'm sure surprises a lot of people. I think the reason it doesn't surprise people is uh, a couple of things. One, they they probably need another running back. Uh, they've got one who's pretty good, but you always can have another one. But they, they need star power down there in Tampa. They, they, do, they need people to, to show up at their football games. They're, they're probably one of the worst in the NFL uh, as far as uh, attendance for games. And uh, they need that star power, and Adrian would definitely bring that. Um, and they also usually have a lot of salary cap money. The Bucks are usually one of the worst in the NFL uh, with spending up to the salary cap. So they probably have a fairly large chunk of change they got to spend. So if you're going to spend it, you might as well spend it on somebody who might bring you know an extra five or ten or fifteen thousand people to the games, uh, and, and who you still think probably has something left in the tank. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst. 
So do you want to talk about dead birds? Let's talk about dead birds. All right. I apologize in advance if I appear flippant in reading this and perhaps disrespectful at the loss of bird life, but uh, this is from a a CBSSports.com story. I'm just going to read the first part of it. A trio of organizations, the Audubon Chapter of Minneapolis, the Minnesota Citizens for the Protection of Migratory Birds, and the Friends of Robert's Bird Sanctuary— work together to prepare a report that details the concerns about the stadium's effect on birds flying into the stadium. So talking about U.S. Bank Stadium, obviously, in Minneapolis. The results are not pretty. According to City Pages, over a two-hour span, the three groups found 60 dead birds lying on the ground and another 14 birds lying stunned on the ground. The belief is that the stadium is killing up to 500 birds a year. This pace would make it the deadliest building in Minnesota for birds. And the story goes on, and it provides some context, and it provides some information about Mississippi flyways and what have you. But I've got a couple questions. Number one, what does a stunned bird exactly look like? I mean, I know you sometimes you get birds that fly into your windows. So they walked around the stadium for two hours, and they found... 14 stunned birds? That just seems outrageous to me. <laughs> um, I don't know what to really say about it. Uh, I, I hope that I understand the, I understand the issue. Uh, I understand that, um, the, the, that these, these organizations want to protect the birds. I think that's fair. Um, I, it's, it's, you can imagine being uh, flying up in the air and you see this big area that looks like a, a lake or a pond and you dive down into it and Next, you know, you're hitting glass. I think that's uh, that's a, that's a little bit of an issue, um, and I just got to think that there's some sort of way that they can, uh, you know, put something on the glass uh, or something that um, prevents the birds from from doing that. You know, I don't, I'm not sure what that is. If it's some sort of lights, uh, some sort of flashing lights that shoot up in the air, I have no idea. I'm not the bird expert. But man, this seemed this was an issue when they were building the stadium. If I recall, people had issues with them before they were building it, when they were building it, after they were building it. It seems like it's it's an issue that won't go go away. We have a lot of problems in this country, but it seems like uh, as, as you and I are, we're we're talking about this bird issue, which uh, you got to think there's a common sense solution here. I'm assuming that these birds are your common pigeon, probably not like like a rare breed of bird. Be careful. Be careful on assuming, though. That's never a good idea. So just want to start off with that. Okay. Well, you've put me in a box, but I'm just going to, to, to give you the number of pigeons in the world. 400 million. There are 400 million in the world. So we're talking about 500 per year. Uh, I figured there. I figured there's more than 400. Pig- I figured there's 400 million pigeons just in New York City. It seems like there's pigeons everywhere. They do seem pretty <laughs> abundant. The point is, I mean, if we're talking about 0.000001% of birds, I mean, isn't this just the, the course of nature? Don't birds crash into buildings all the time? This is just a target because it's such a it's a new and large building, but. There have to be birds crashing into buildings all across metro areas and stadiums in the country, right? Uh, you, you know, I, I would assume so, but I have no, I have no idea, to be honest with you. Um, I, I know this. If you want to talk about have a bird conversation, if you want, I, I generally tell stories on this on our podcast here. 
Um, if you ever play out in Oakland, uh, the Oakland Raiders, and usually you know you're you're playing the what is the late afternoon game on the East Coast, the the four o'clock East Coast game, but really it's a it's a one p.m. West Coast start. Um, when that game is coming to a close, it's amazing about mid fourth quarter, and of course. Uh, up until this past you know year or so, Raiders games there they were you know two thirds three quarters full. They always had a lot of empty seats in in the upper deck. On the north end zone where there's usually the least amount of people, these birds these seagulls come flying in about mid fourth quarter. They know that the the game is about over. It's it it, it blew me away every time I played out there in Oakland. <laughs> but about mid fourth quarter, they just knew okay game starts at one. It's now three thirty. Game's going to be over about four. These birds start coming in, and as soon as that stadium clears out, the whole stadium gets, like, engulfed <laughs> in birds eating all the, the popcorn and the hot dogs and whatever whatever else is left behind in the bleachers. It's a, it's a totally strange, eerie sort of uh, sight to see. Uh, and if you ever get out to an Oakland game, uh, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. That's phenomenal. That is fantastic. Well, I guess, uh, you know, there is one part of this. The birds don't have access to U.S. Bank Stadium. They can't get at the concessions. So I guess they not only are they not getting fed, but they're also dying. When you compare it to Oakland, they're basically treating the birds like kings out there. They're feeding them every Sunday, but not the case. Well, maybe this is the whole issue. They need to make this thing a a retractable roof. So, you know, in, in time when the games weren't being played, they could open that sucker up. So the birds could actually dive in there and clean up the U.S. Bank Stadium, and we, we probably could save some money on uh, on the custodial staff. <laughs> there is an interesting point at the end of this article. It says that the stadium can switch the glass for a cost of $60 million to make it less reflective or $120,000 per dead bird per year. I got to get in the glass business, obviously. There is a company called Sage Glass, I believe. It's like I-35 South when I'm heading out of Minneapolis. There's a big Sage Glass factory down there. Maybe they can. Maybe I could talk to them. We can do some sponsored glass on the top of U.S. Bank. There you go. Sage Glass. <laughs> just uh, connecting dots here. Yeah, we'll, we'll give them a call. We're just shooting darts out there, just trying to come up with solutions for the Minnesota Vikings. Common sense solutions to, 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 to major problems. Yeah. That's what we, that's what we need. Well, you've got your dose of, of bird talk for the day on Locked On Vikings. We talked about Adrian. We talked about birds. And that's the show for this Wednesday morning. He's Sage. I'm Sam. We'll be back with Sage on Friday. It's Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.